If you've walked past the Newman Center, there's a giant statue of someone. And I want to talk about that someone tonight, and that someone is St. Joan of Arc. And she said this, and it really struck me. It's a really powerful line, so I just want you to listen in uh, to what she said. She said, Every man gives his life for what he believes. Every woman gives her life for what she believes. Sometimes people believe in little or nothing. Nevertheless, they give up their lives to that little or nothing. One life is all we have, and we live it as we believe in living it, and then it's gone. But to surrender to what you are and live without belief, that's more terrible than dying. More terrible than dying young. St. Joan of Arc died at the age of 19. We're in this series right now called Cheat Coding College. And it's just an idea that we don't need to make these mistakes over and over. Actually, college can actually be an enjoyable experience, right? And we're looking at the four cardinal virtues. We look first week we looked at the cardinal virtue of prudence, which again is just simply saying, I'm looking where I'm going. Or I'm asking the question, is this really worth it? Or as I like to say, is this decision going to lead me to heaven or lead me to hell? Because it's just good to make things black and white sometimes. The second virtue we looked at, the cardinal virtue, is the virtue of justice. And the virtue of justice just simply says to love people and to use things. But due to like our, our sinful nature, our concupiscence, often what we do is we use people and we love things. Just look at how people eat at tables, right? They're on their phone and they're with other people who are made in the image and likeness of God. And last week we looked at the virtue of temperance. And the virtue of temperance is also known as the virtue of moderation. Like too much of certain things are actually very harmful to you. But also temperance, what it does is it balances you out. Sometimes you're just, you're just not on, on track and it balances you. The fourth, and car, fourth cardinal virtue and the final one we're going to look at today is the virtue of fortitude or bravery or also known as courage. The Catechism says that courage is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. Like a lot of us were pursuing good things, but the thing is we just quit too easily. But what courage does or fortitude or bravery, it strengthens the resolve to resist temptations. Like we're all tempted with different things to do things that are sometimes not inherently sinful, but they're just not going to lead us to a happy life. But also it teaches how to overcome obstacles, how to actually persevere. But the opposite of the virtue of courage is cowardice and fear. Often people feel like they're being courageous when they're actually just being a coward in college. And when the time comes to be truly courageous, they cower due to vanity. Vanity is, I care too much what other people think. You know, not people at this school, but you know, like at UWM or Madison, like they care way too much what other people think, but not you guys, because you guys are all perfect, right? But um, you're just caring about too much about what other people think. But to be courageous is to be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of us need to, to learn that or, or relearn that. Comfort leads to cowardice. And cowardice leads to little sin, to little sin, to little sin. And before you know it, you, find, you can find yourself in a big mess. But Lazarus in today's gospel, he did not live a comfortable life, which was prophesied by Amos in our first reading today. He was poor, and he was a beggar, but God knew him by name. Yet the rich man saw Lazarus every day. He ate good food, he had good clothes, he had a comfortable home, but there is Lazarus every day at his doorstep. So that means, literally, 
Lazarus, when he went in and out of his house, he would either have to step around, or the rich man had to step around Lazarus, or he had to step over him. Which is most likely, he probably stepped over Lazarus every single day, or stepped around him. Yet, I think a lot of us, what we fail in this is Jesus is teaching us how to see him in the poor. And sometimes we ask, where are the poor? Or why does that even matter? For those of us who say we love Jesus, it's time that we put that into action and stop talking about how much we love him. When my grandmother died, on the back of her, her, her worship aid at her funeral, she had this quote from Mother Teresa. It said, at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have, what we have received, or how much money we have made, or how many great things we have done. You're going to be judged by this, says Mother Teresa. So you're going to be judged by, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was homeless, and you took me in. Mother Teresa called that the five-finger gospel. She said, that you do unto least of mine, you do it to me. What this means, if you want to look at it and be really pierced to the heart and let it sink in, which is hard to hear, that means the person that you despise the most, and think of that person, maybe it's like 18 people, I don't know what your life looks like, or the person you avoid the most is really how much you love Jesus. Dagger. I hate hearing that. It always like, like, I think I love Jesus a lot, and then I hear that, and I'm like, five-finger gospel, thank you, Mother Teresa. But every time you and I allow ourselves to be comfortable, what we're doing is we're actually stepping over or stepping around someone who is poor, we're actually avoiding Jesus. So what do we need to overcome this? We need courage. Courage to go into the battle with our fears and comforts. We also need virtuous friends who are actually living the faith instead of just going through the motions or saying, hey, I'm Catholic, but I don't do anything for the poor. It's often been said, you know, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future which means that you need good and holy friends who can show you and help you see what you don't see. And it's much easier to be around virtuous, around virtuous friends, and yet how many of us see people walking around campus, campus aimlessly, that is, without aim? Like last night, I was going around campus and just saw people walking around with a lot of heavy backpacks and heavy bags. Saw some red Solo cups, saw some beer, beer boxes in there. But like, what they're looking for is what you're going to receive here, which is the love of God. Like, all of us have that hole in our heart that only God can fill. But, like, what would happen if you engaged someone and overcame your fear of being made fun of for being a Catholic or being a Christian? Like, the virtue of fortitude helps us overcome our fear to face our trials, to face persecutions. And today I want to introduce to you St. Joan of Arc, who's going to be our patron this year. So we pick a, a saint to journey with us every year for those who are new to the Newman Center. And St. Joan of Arc teaches us that all of us are called to be great saints. You might be great in something really little, but you might be great in something amazing. And also to live lives of magnanimity. I've been trying to say that word 18 times a day. Magnanimity, which is actually, I would say, courage on fire. Magnanimity means no matter what, I'll be generous with the grace of God. Magnanimity allows people to forgive even the biggest sins. You wonder how people can forgive others who have done awful, awful things. It's because of being magnanimous, to rise above anger and to actually be compassionate. So who is St. Joan of Arc? Joan was born near Paris in the year 1412. She was only 13 
when she began to have these mystical experiences and even heard voices of different saints. And the, there was St. Michael the Archangel, which gave her a lot of courage to do her mission in life. Also, Catherine of Alexandria, who's a patron saint of philosophers, gave her a lot of wisdom, which I'll talk about in a moment, but also Margaret of Antioch, so she could be humble. She said this, when I was in my 13th year of life, I heard a voice from God and these three saints to help me govern my conduct. And at the first time in my life, I was very much afraid. She had holy fear with inside her. And during the Hundred Years' War between the French and the English, Joan would actually lead the troops from France against the English at the age of 17. And she helped them do amazing things. They were losing. They are getting their butts kicked, so to speak, for like the past eight years in a, in a place called Orleans and Troyes. And when she came in, they actually started winning battles. And she wanted to actually, she felt called by these angels and the Lord to go talk to the king. Now, she's a peasant, right? So she doesn't have any right talking to, them, to the king, but she did in the year 1429. But firstly, Joan took a good friend who was her cousin to go talk to the military leader, to a military leader, and said, I want to speak with the king. And the king dismissed her, like, what, you're crazy. Like, how could you ever want to talk to him? You don't, you don't deserve to talk to him. But she persisted, and he said, you're a lunatic. You must be mentally ill. But when the king actually was there, he said, I heard that she wants to talk to me. But what he did is he disguised himself, and he actually, as he's around 100 or so soldiers, he disguised himself as a soldier. Joan didn't know what the king looked like, but she prayed in the Holy Spirit letter to the king and said, you are the king, and I must speak with you. And no one knew that he was even there. This moved the king to actually have a conversation with Joan. And again, Joan was, was accused of being mentally ill, being schizophrenic, being a lunatic. But King Charles VII, his father, was indeed a lunatic. His father was indeed mentally ill, which is actually why he took the throne. Charles VI was so crazy, he was even claimed to be said at times, I am made of glass, so be careful around me. So what I want you to do is I want you to put metal rods inside of my body so I don't break. That's pretty crazy, right? He also thought at times he was St. George fighting off dragons. So thank God that King Henry VII came forward and actually gave Joan permission to lead the French army at the age of 17. And she just said two words she said very often. And she said the words, forward, boldly. Forward, boldly. And the men of that army knew that she was filled with a mission that was clearly from heaven because the French troops actually began to do something they hadn't done in eight years. They actually began to win battles. And certain times she predicted victories and would win over all the men as well as the king. But she was more than courageous. Again, she was magnanimous. Just think of a 17-year-old woman for one moment going to the Pentagon or going to the army or going to some military leader and telling them how to win wars. Like that's exactly the scale that St. Joan of Arc is on, but that's also how much she was filled with conviction. And often she would tell people, I'm not afraid, God is with me, and I was born for this. I'm not afraid, God is with me, and I was born for this. And Joan actually was an incredibly pure soul. She was very beautiful, but an incredibly pure soul. Soldiers would actually say it was impossible to lust around her, even after her, because of her purity. She's also incredibly unique. 
As a soldier, she never struck anyone with a sword in battle. Now, when the prostitutes came around her soldiers, their men, she did end up actually hitting a few of them. Because she said, either you prostitutes got to marry this man or get the hell out of here. And often they would leave. However, she was captured in the year 1430. She was sold to the English and placed on trial for heresy and witchcraft for over a year. And it was actually a mockery of a trial. She was set up to fail with divisive questions to actually trap her. There were professors from the University of Paris. There was an evil bishop, even an evil cardinal in the Catholic Church, and different people from Winchester in England, and they participated in questioning Joan in prison. This is where St. Catherine of Alexandria began to really intercede for her. But no one could beat Joan. One time she was asked, are you in a state of grace? Which is a really important thing for us to know what that is, which means I have no grave sin in my soul. If I do, i got to get my butt to confession, right? And when she was asked, are you in a state of grace? She said this. This is one of the most wise statements ever. She said, if I be not in a state of grace, I pray that God place me in it. If I be in a state of grace, I pray that God keep me so, which is like the perfect answer. They also tried to ask her about her about the identity of Jesus. And, and she had like perfect theology when asked about the identity of Jesus. And she said, about Jesus and the Catholic Church, I simply know that they're just one thing and we shouldn't complicate the matter. That's like, if you know theology, you studied the church, that's like one of the most brilliant answers. She's also asked by the English, does God hate the English? She said, as of God's love or hatred for the English, I do not know. But what I do know is that they will be thrown out of France except the ones who die there. But Joan was also condemned for wearing men's clothes because she dressed up as a soldier. The English deeply resented France's military success, which, which Joan obviously contributed to. And on the year, in the year 1431, she was burned to death on May 30th, which is her feast day. But she wasn't just burned once. She wasn't just burned twice. She was burned three times and raked over and burned and raked over and burned and raked over and burned. And then her, her, her ashes were thrown into the river because they didn't want anyone to have relics of this holy saint. She was burned as a heretic, but was even allowed to actually go to confession and receive holy communion before, before she was burned. But her executioner he said that he deeply regretted doing that because he knew that this was a living saint. And when she died, she only said one word over and over. Or I should say one name over and over. She said the words, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So you see, St. Joan of Arc is a Christ figure. She sacrificed her life for God, for her country, and for her fellow man. And as we hear in John 15, there is no greater love than to lay your life down for your friends. And she did that. Yet like Christ, she was abandoned by all of her closest friends and followers when it came to her faith. She's winning battles on the field for many people, for her priests, for her bishops, for the cardinals, who would praise her and tell Joan how amazing she was. Yet some of them were actually sympathetic to the English cause and they betrayed her. The reason why the English were so nasty is that they would actually take the food crops and burn all of them. They take the houses of the French and just burn them. 
But like Jesus, who was condemned, condemned to death by the Pharisees, who claimed that there was a Messiah and said Jesus was, they betrayed him, sold him off to the Roman Empire to be crucified. However, 25 years later, she would receive justice. Her mother went to trial and retried the court case against her, saying she's a heretic and a witch and saying she was a cross-dresser. But she actually wouldn't even be beatified, be even recognized to be a saint until the year 1909, almost 100 or 500 years later. And she wouldn't be canonized a saint until the 1920s until Pope Benedict XV said so. But Joan is like, you know, memorized for a lot of people, it's not an unfamiliar name for her military exploits, but she actually had an incredible love for the sacraments, especially the Holy Eucharist and confession. And she's found often praying in churches in front of the tabernacle, laying on her face cruciform and praying and thanking God. This strengthened her courage and made her magnanimous. And her prayer life was often fueled with a deep compassion for the poor. Most people actually forget how much St. Joan of Arc loved the poor. And Joan would often say, I would rather die than do something which I know to be a sin or to be against God's will. She took that very seriously. It's also been famously said by Edmund Burke, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Just look around campus. People claiming to be followers of Jesus. That they seem to be doing nothing. Jonah's known for being the opposite of everyone who should have been doing something. The men failed, so God chose a woman. The adults failed, so God chose a child. The clergy failed, so God chose a laywoman. The rich failed, so God chose a poor peasant. The military failed, so God chose a civilian. Every every person who failed at being courageous and magnanimous, God actually shamed by calling Joan into mission. And there was no one like Joan and never has been ever since. And why is that? She received the same Eucharist that you and I received, the same confession you and I received, So what about us? I wonder how many of us, and I'm pointing fingers at myself, we're just too comfortable. And we don't even fear hell anymore. And displeasing God. How many of us are just too comfortable? Maybe because you're actually afraid of being great for being a Catholic Christian. Pope Benedict XVI said, you, insert name here, You were not created for comfort. You were created for greatness. And what's been the result of us being too comfortable? You all know the statistics on campus. Suffering through depression has risen over 40% in the past three years. People are settling for what is base. Suicide rates are actually skyrocketing. Anybody the age of 10 to 14, the suicide rates have tripled in the past 10 years. People are falling into traps to be cowards through the drinking culture, through the hookup culture, and what is most likely leading them to be lost in the battle of souls. Like the church exists for the salvation of souls to save people, say you don't have to live that way anymore. 
But maybe it's just due to our cowardness. Like we don't have to point fingers at anybody else besides ourselves. Because we're, not, we're just not convicted enough that if I was the only person, he would have died for me. Like you and I have to let that sink from our head to our heart to know that we matter to him. And maybe we just become too comfortable because we're actually sidestepping the poor on campus, those who, who don't know the Lord. Like you are poor if you don't know Jesus. And we sidestep them because that might be uncomfortable to actually talk about how much I love him or actually what I do to, to say, I love you, Jesus. And we're just forgetting about that simple five-finger gospel. You do it to me. So how you treat people is how you're treating Jesus. How you treat yourself is even how you're treating Jesus. So I just believe it's, it's time that you and I stand up and go against the battles of the culture on campus. Because souls are literally being lost into the hands of the evil one. And Joan, she firmly believed this. The only solution was to stand up and fight. And the question is, will you fight? Will you get comfortable with actually being uncomfortable? Joan said, there is only one solution to stand up and fight, which means it's pretty interesting because you can't sit and fight. It means you got to go move and go do something. You must engage. And I think we have to engage. And by engaging, she had to turn her back on bad environments. People told her, you're crazy. She had to turn her back on environments saying, that's going to be comfortable for you. She had to turn her back on stepping over or stepping around the poor. So in your worship aid on the back page, it says what our weekly challenge is. So you could look at that for a moment. Each week it's been on there, by the way. A new one, of course. Last week was a play, pray the litany of trust every day, which takes two minutes. This one is a little more courageous and it's going to be probably a little bit uncomfortable. But it's to seek out a qualified, qualified advisor who can help you set magnanimous goals and actually attain them by asking the question, which bad environment will you turn your back on? Like every journey towards something is a journey away from, from something. So if you want to meet with me, I'll gladly meet with you. If you want to meet with Sarah, one of the focus missionaries, anyone who's a leader at the Newman Center, we'll gladly meet with you. But Joan, again, she would often say just those two words, forward boldly, forward boldly. God is with us. I was born for this. I'm not afraid. And maybe you're just sensing it's time to, to, to get uncomfortable. Just like settling in, getting too comfortable. Or maybe you're just thinking you need, you need courage. Like I'm kind of a coward sometimes. I live in fear too much. And if, if that's you, I just want to offer a blessing and ask for St. Joan to intercede for you this school year in particular. To help you start making difficult decisions. But if you th start thinking the long term, like we still talk about her five, six hundred years later. And there's never been any, anyone like her, and we need more Joan of Arcs on this campus for sure. She's a patron saint of soldiers, she's a patron saint of France, and she's a patron saint of heroic deeds. And heroes aren't cowards, they're courageous. So if you would like St. Joan of Arc to intercede for you, or maybe even somebody you know who's struggling, I just want to offer you a blessing asking for her intercession. St. Joan of Arc, I ask that you intercede over every single soul on this campus, especially for those who are in need of courage. Please set our hearts on fire with the love of Jesus, and especially 
with a deeper love for the poor. Please pray for us that our hearts may be convicted with courage and magnanimity for our mission on this campus to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with every single soul we encounter. And Heavenly Father, may we echo the powerful words of St. Joan of Arc every day through a dedicated prayer life, which will push us into mission. Echo the words that say, I am not afraid. God is with me, and I was born for this. Please help us not cower, St. Joan of Arc, but please help us have courage in difficult times. And please, please help us not be afraid of being uncomfortable for it's always an invitation to be courageous. St. Joan of Arc, 